Hi, this is Kev Lakes Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm having a bit of a catch-up now with Deb Ryder. Deb, are you well? I'm doing great, Legs. Thank you so much. A little windy out here today, but we're good. (laughs) Well, talking of wind, I'm just looking at your website while we're chatting. And there's a picture on there where your hair is all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little... Little Photoshop, but yeah, that was uh, that was some advertising that I did for um, a tune that I put out called "A Storm's Coming." Right. With Coco Montoya, and we didn't actually the the uh, label Vistan thought it was just a little too wild, so I just put it on my website instead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's been oh good two maybe three years since we last spoke. So how have you been? How you- at least. Been keeping busy? Very busy, you know, doing a lot of recording. I'm I'm really pleased to say that my songwriting has taken off. There's a lot of artists right now that are asking me to write for them, you know, write some right. tracks for their next record or and so I'm really pleased with that because I I consider my songwriting as important as as anything else that I do and uh, so been really thrilled with that piece um so that keeps me busy you know rewrites and and writes Uh, as you know with this pandemic boy there's not a lot going on so we kind of have to do whatever we can to keep the work happening yeah well you've got a a new single out is that a precursor to an album that's coming out yes there's a, a brand new cd coming out spring of 2021 tentatively right now it's called um Memphis Moonlight, that may change, you know, depending on the artwork and the cover and everything with the label, but that'll be released through this tone. Uh, and this single, Get Ready, is one of the tracks from that upcoming record. Right. Well, we'll talk about that a bit more later, but let's, for the uninitiated, let's let people know about you, you the person. And I'm not sure whether we mentioned this last time we spoke, but doing the research, you got into music. Uh, well, blues music, really, through Bob Heights of Camp Heat. I was a very young girl uh, growing up in here in Topanga in California, and my folks ran a, a really famous rock and roll and blues nightclub called the Topanga Corral. And everybody who lived up here, that would be Taj Mahal, Etta James came up, you know, Bob Height, all these other folks lived in the canyon. I had a really lucrative babysitting job in the canyon where I would babysit as a young girl for all these different bands. And Bob Hyde and his wife, Early, I would babysit for their children whenever they were doing gigs or going out on the road. And Bob uh, had, I don't know if you know, he had was world famous for his collection of blues recordings. One of the most complete collections of early blues music that there ever was. So he took it upon himself to school me in blues at a very young age, you know, and would set out several recordings for me to listen to in a certain order, introduce me to different styles and, and uh, different artists. And, and that's, that's really where it started, along with the nightclub I told you about. Yeah. Because I lived right next door to it. My wall in my bedroom was next to the back of the stage. So there was no sleeping 
I would just go in the club at night and listen to whatever acts were up, and a lot of them were blues and early blues rock. So, and big yeah. names as well, Big Joe Turner, Charlie Musselwhite, Etta James, Taj Mahal. That's right. To have these on your doorstep, a dream come true for most people. Well, when I was, you know, starting out in the blues also, um, there was another man by the name of Tom Levy, he's a famous bass player. He's gone now. He played with uh, the Manish Boys. He was on the Delta Groove label. Mm-hmm. And I was in his band, Geronimo Black, as a very young girl. I was a background singer. Right. And uh, he was also really instrumental in, in teaching me about blues songwriting. But along about that time, Etta James would come up. She'd play in the canyon. And we had cabins in the back. And she would come and stay for a while. And I was really, really blessed to, to get to run my songs and my vocals, you know, by her and have her critique them. And, you know, it wasn't easy because most of it she really didn't care for at first. <laughs> she would just, you know, tell me to go back and start again. You know, what was I trying to do? But um, over a long period of time of having her come up and, and hang out and, and play at the corral and teach me you know i really to this day when i write a song i can i can hear her telling me you can't rewrite the blues Mm. you know stick to the classic the last time we spoke you were saying that etta told you to pace the song much more because you're trying to get too much in in a short space of time she she uh basically would tell me I had too many words in the song. What was I really trying to say? Mm. Why don't you distill it down into what it is that you're really trying to say? And and like I say, you know, those, those lessons, uh, to this day, I really pay attention to the stuff that, you know, these people taught me early on that, that you know, I mean, I'm not going to rewrite this genre. I need to learn from those that came ahead of me. Yeah. And And pay attention to those lessons, you know, not try and redo it. Although... Some of my stuff, I color way outside the line, mm-hmm. you know. But for the most part, I keep that, that classic thing going. So you were saying earlier that you'd been doing a lot of songwriting recently and people are picking up on your song. So when you're writing a song, do you feel Etta over your shoulder? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was a force. Boy, I tell you what, she was really something. And then later on in life, we actually became friends. We went out to dinner a couple times together. I opened for a few of her shows in Los Angeles Mm. with my little band. And I was like, you know, really young, like 17, 18, into my early 20s. You went to UCLA, didn't you? Yes, I did. Studying as a musician and vocalist. I sang with the Roger Wagner Chorale. Right. And I studied classically. So... What took you to blues, though? Was that just what you felt was right? It was my husband. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I met met Rick Ryder, and my classical music days were over. Uh He he was an absolute blues aficionado. Blues, everything. He had an amazing collection of records, and, and he was my bass player. And we fell in love and just really started, you know, writing music writing blues songs you know once i got the okay that i was doing all right with that i started really writing and then we started performing together we had a little band called after we were married called the blues writers Mm -hmm. r-y-d-e-r-s and that was our our early group played all over the place 
Yeah, uh, 20 years playing in festivals and all over. Yeah, all over. Still doing it. <laughs> Your debut album, uh, what year was that? 2013. Might just get lucky. Yes. You had some guest guitarists on that, Kirk Fletcher and Albert Lee. Yes. I mean, I spoke to Kirk a couple of months ago. What a lovely man. Oh, Kirk is one of the loveliest people, and Albert is too. They're both absolutely incredible people. Um, we met down at Cadillac Zach Monday night blues jam scene at a place called the Maui Sugar Mill. And Kirk got up on stage, and I'd never heard anything like it. I turned to my husband and I said, Lord, listen to that man play. He's just, he's amazing. And it's all in his fingers, you know. He doesn't really use a lot of gizmos or electronics. Mm -hmm. He just plays like that. He's just astounding. I consider him to be one of the best, finest blues guitar players today. And, you know, Albert Lee's world-renowned. I mean, he's just the best of the best. And he doesn't live too far from here. Is it the same Albert Lee, the English guitarist? Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah, right. I, I saw him a couple of years ago. He is just an astounding guitarist. Truly amazing. I think Eric Clapton said that his favorite guitar player mm. is Albert Lee. He sort of blends country and blues, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm. The Blues Riders, has that gone by the by now, or will they research? My husband is considering putting the band back together, but, you know, I when I go out, I generally pick up most of the musicians where I'm going. It's just impossible to, unless you're really famous, to drag six people around with you, you know? Mm. So I try and, you know, maybe I'll take a couple of players, like a drummer and, and a bass player, and then I'll pick up guitar, or I'll take the guitarist and the bass player, I'll pick up drums and keys. So I don't really have a band, per se, anymore. You know, right. I just, I have several players here in Los Angeles, there's not a lot of gigs going on here right now, so not really doing a band. And then when I do recordings, I don't generally use the same players that I would play live with. You know, I'm I'm blessed in that I, I have most of the members of the Phantom Blues Band on all my records as my backup band for recording. Yeah. And that would be, you know, Grammy Award-winning producer and drummer Tony Bronigal on drums and Grammy Award-winning engineer and guitarist Johnny Lee Shell on guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, Rick will play bass. We also use a number of other bass players. We've used Kenny Gradney from Little Feet. We've used uh, Travis Carlton. The yeah. horn players that we usually use are from the Phantom Blues Band. So I'm just looking at your discography. And from Might Just Get Lucky from 2013, there was two years and then Let It Rain in 2015. Then there yep. was a little flurry in 2016, Grit, Grease and Tears. And then another yeah. two-year break for Enjoy the Ride. And now it's two years again, and you've got another release coming out. Is this yeah. how you like to pace it, so it's not too much pressure? Well, it also depends on my financial situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I mean, these things are they're not cheap to make, and so sometimes it takes two years to recover yeah. from the last record. and. It just depends on, on how the material is going. You know, like I said, I really feel strongly about my songwriting. Until I've got 12 really solid tunes that not only myself and my husband feel are worthy of recording, but also 
this team that I just talked about that I work with. Mm. They're so used to working with me. They'll tell me, ah, that one, that one needs work. This one's great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So also, life just sort of paces you that way. And I, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not in a great big hurry. Mm. I, oh. I love my life. Pretty good. We travel a lot. I was going to ask you about the the songwriting and how you run that by people. Obviously, you've got your husband there and the band. So if someone comes to you and says, that doesn't work, would you try to rework it or just sack it off? Oh, I, I totally rework it. Shoot, I, I've got two or three versions of just about everything. Yeah. And And a lot of times my husband will say that really just, you know, he's the most critical one because, of course, we live with each other. Mm-hmm. And he'll just, you know, he's very musical, and he'll just say, nah, you can do better than that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'll I'll stop for a minute and take a breath, and then I'll think about, well, what is it that you think? What what direction do you want to go in? Or maybe I'll run it by Tony. Tony says, nah, this is not really for you, but do you mind if I send it to somebody else? And if I, I write so prolifically, I write a song about every week. I've got so much material that, you know, many times I'll just stop working on that tune and and pick up something else. Or if I'm not totally married to doing it myself, yeah, I'll say, go ahead, send it out. Yeah. You were saying that the new single, Get Ready, is a sort of precursor for the album that's coming out next spring. Yes. You were saying that the title is still up in the air. Yes. Is that because you want to go to Memphis to shoot the album cover? No, no, I've got the artwork pretty much in the can. It's rough, but I've got it pretty much there. It's actually because there is a huge number of Memphis-titled records out right now. Mm. And I was looking at that today when I was looking at the singles chart. By the way, Get Ready only dropped last week, and it's already on the Roots Music Report, so it's getting a lot of airplay for a little song out there. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, yeah. It debuted on it debuted in the top fifty blues songs on the Roots Music Report. So that's not bad for one week spinning. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. The forthcoming album is that pretty well in the can and you're just down to the final editing now. We have a few fixes on a few things left. Most of it has the preliminary mix. I went ahead and mastered this one tune because I felt it had been a little bit long for me since I'd put anything out there. And there's a real sort of a thing going on right now with singles and EPs going out between records, and not all of them end up on the record. You know, you really have a choice with that. It kind of depends on how it does, Yeah. whether you want to continue and put it on the record based on how it does. And this one seems to be doing well. I... I really believe in the message on this track, and I think that's part of it. It's timely. Mm. I think that's part of why it's getting so much spin. But, um, yeah, as far as the record is concerned, it's ready, except for a few touches here and there. There There's still some players that I want to add, a couple guitarists. I always put other guest artists, but I can give you a couple of hints right now for the new record. I'm really pleased to announce I've got Alistair Green on there. Um, I've got Ronnie Earl on there. I'm really pleased about that. Uh, I've got Mike Finnegan, of course, on B3. Yeah. Really thrilled about that. 
Uh, and uh, Joey Delgado is going to come and put some guitar on one of the tracks in a, about a week or so, you know. And uh, let's see what else is going on. I'd, I'd asked a few of the other players. Kirk wasn't in town. He's living in Switzerland now. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever missed having him on a record, but so far he's not on this one. But that's okay, you know. He's got his own thing going on. Well, with modern technology, he could send his bit over from Switzerland. Oh, and Peter Vanderplume, Big Pete. All right. It sounds very, very interesting. Do you have a preliminary date? You say spring, but do we have a a possible date? I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with this pandemic. Mm. You know, we're, we're having a second wave everywhere right now. Yeah. And if early spring we're still locked in our houses... I may postpone a little bit and put out another single from the record. Yeah. Only because it's tough to work so hard on a record and put it out and not have one single place that you can go promote it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, a problem that I've spoken to a lot of people in the past couple of months that just on the verge of releasing an album and then the pandemic hit, so they can't promote it, they can't tour, they can't gig. It's hit everybody so hard. It really has. You know, this single, I because of the, the pandemic and because of the message, I didn't even charge for it. It's free. It's my gift. Mm. I have gifted this music to the world. And I believe that we, we need that right now. People need music. We need to put things out there that are, you know, uplifting or, or I don't know. I, I just felt strongly that I wanted to give a gift right now, so I did. Without wishing to bring the interview down in any way, it is a thing in this country with people being locked in their houses for such a long time. They can't go to work, they can't socialise, that mental health is a big issue in this country. Music really is a healer. Blues music, I believe, is the greatest healer. And I decided early on when I decided to make this single that, that if it would uplift anybody, you know, I've had a lot of people contact me and say, man, this song is thank you so much and thank you for the message and love is the solution. I mean, basically, that that's the, the theme of the song is that love is the solution for all things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, curing racism, inequality for other people. I mean, there's, there's a good message there. So yeah, people needed it right now. They're stuck. A lot of people are doing their things online, on Facebook and stuff. Is that something you've not considered? I did a couple things. Um, I was very honored to be asked to be one of the featured artists with my band for the K-Jazz Stay-At-Home Concert Series. Uh, that was for Nothing But The Blues with Gary the Wagman Wagner. Are you familiar with that show? No. It's a worldwide, it's a worldwide blues show called Nothing But The Blues. And the Wagman is, is the recipient of, I think, a few Keeping The Blues Alive awards from the Blues Foundation for his efforts in blues. So they invited me to go out to a studio, and we were distanced, and we, we did the best we could to stay safe and uh, do an hour's worth of music, which we put up on Facebook and we put in a few different places. And I'm working right now on another little show at a local cabaret we have here in Topanga that is just shut down, you know, everything's closed. But they still have all the lights and the staging and the PA and everything's still up. So we're talking about going and making another little effort. Yeah, 
I look forward to that if that does happen. And I also look forward to hopefully seeing you over here if you do get to tour. If not, I'll I'll come over there. I'll come over there and see you. You uh, know, we're seriously considering moving to Europe. Really? Pluses and minuses on that one. I mean, obviously, you'd be closer to us so we get to see you, but you've, well, you've stunned me there. You've actually stunned me. We're actually considering it. We've been looking at a few locations there. Yeah. We are going to come as soon as we can and visit the UK again because we didn't get to go to um, Scotland. We stayed in Ireland. We, we went all over the UK, but we didn't get down to the south. And I really want to go. And, and what is it? Cornwall? Cornwall, yes. I yeah. really want to go see Cornwall. Oh, and, you would love and it. And stay there for a while. Yeah, it's got a, a certain mystique about it. Deb, it's, it's been an absolute joy catching up with you. And let's not leave it so long next time, eh? Absolutely. It's uh, so good talking to you, and thank you for having me, Max. And, well, I mean, if the album does come out in spring, then we'll have a catch-up then. You can tell us all about the album. And, we will. Yeah. Okay. You take care, my friend. We and sure will. Again, thanks for having me. Always great speaking with you. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.